Okay. Hey, girlfriend. Hey, girlfriend. Oh my gosh, everybody, we are live. So today's a little bit different. You'll notice the look and feel of my background's a little bit different because today is September 11th and you and I wanted to come on. We felt like today was a special day. And I remember it took us a little while to think about what did we want to talk about? What did we want to bring to our girlfriends? And so we thought we would do a talk about grief and and how uh, September 11th is feeling you know, all these decades later. Um, and so, Jessica, do you want to tell us like where were you when you first heard about what the attack on September 11th? Sure. Well, I was here in uh, the Bay Area, so it was still really early morning. So I was sleeping and uh, Paul and I uh, were kind of in, in a new relationship, but we were we were we were in bed together. So we sleeping and uh, his boss woke us up to call us and let us know about the news. And I remember it it just sounding unreal, like you're coming out of a sleep uh, mode and it felt like a bad dream, you know, and, and then you're like, wait, what, and uh, what, what's happening? Um, we immediately thought about our loved ones and who we knew on the East coast and, um, you know, made calls. I, I also remember this sort of panic of, oh my God, are they, are they coming here? Are they, are they going everywhere? Is this war? No one knew what it was. Um, another weird thing was we didn't have a TV uh, and it was before smartphones. So we didn't see the images until later on that day. We were hearing secondhand about it. And then I'll never forget that, that impact of seeing those images, of seeing the first tower and then of seeing the second one. Um, hearing about the Pentagon, hearing about the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania. It just, it felt like kind of like a, a, a wave of shock after the next. And I really feel like it's the closest thing in my life experience that I've ever felt like a, a sort of wartime, a terror attack of sorts. So I just remember feeling in utter shock. Um, and then I'll say that in the days to come, once we realized that at least our circle of people near to us were safe, then we started hearing about the people who, who weren't safe, the friends of friends, the colleagues, and those sorts of things. And that was really something hard to process. Um, yeah, so it was, uh, I think shock is, the, is the, the summary that sums it all up for me. Uh, it took it took so long to even kind of acknowledge it was real. It was that it was that dreamlike. Uh, and here I am in California, you know, about as far away in our country as you can be. And it's still when I think about it, I feel this tightness. So it it lets us know what a huge ripple effect this attack had in you know the East Coast for for everyone. How about you? Where were you? And, and what was the impact for you on that day? Yes. So I was also in the Bay Area and I was living alone at the time. And <sighs> even then I knew to wake up and listen to the news was not in my best interest. So I didn't know first thing in the morning. I went to work as usual. 
Um, and I, but I really got the impact once I got to work and a colleague was talking about it very, very wild, wild eyed. And I couldn't quite understand what she was saying. And she said, so we're going to order food and sit by the radio and listen all day and we can do it together. And then it was almost like she was bringing this like excitement energy. And I think too, when I think back on it, I think also maybe she was in shock right? Um, because it, it seemed wildly inappropriate that we were going to order food and sit and listen to what sounded like an attack on our country. I remember that was my first reaction. And so she probably had the adrenaline she, that makes that sounds like adrenaline to me. Right. Mm hmm. Doesn't it? Doesn't mm -hmm. it? But I knew enough to know, like my own discernment kicked in. I was like, something's not right. Let me figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. And so then I, I remember shutting the door to my office and trying to get my nervous system calm. And I turned on like a, a talk radio station. And I just remember just like sinking and sinking and sinking. Mm -hmm. And that feeling, because I think by the time I knew that something was happening, there was a lot more information. We still didn't know. It seemed like the attack was obviously moving, mm -hmm. having multiple targets. And so I also remember having the feeling of like, oh, whoa, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. This seems right. like this could be a target too. Right. And the people around me were sort of talking like that. So there was this terror, it was like seized up, the seized up feeling. Yes. And then remembering that my best friend was in New York. Oh. And I didn't get to talk with her for a couple of days. I didn't know that she was safe for some time. Oh, and so scary. there was that terror too of sort of leaning forward and yeah. and not knowing. And then also the feeling, the fear and the feeling of disbelief that this could happen in our country. Um there's I guess another level of losing one's innocence. You know, I mm -hmm. I was a young adult and was yeah. sort of becoming independent and all of a sudden yeah. felt very afraid and very worried. Um, and the, my colleague did order food and did sit by the radio all day, like kind of like mm. in, in, in 10. So it was, I don't remember ever talking with her about that after that experience, but I knew I kind of stayed in my own space that day. And I remember talking to people more. Mm. So it was, very terrifying. And then the stories that just came out in the days and the weeks afterward were so heartbreaking and so much seeing the heroes. One of my dear mm. friends, I, I, I hear him reminding his child all the time, when something goes wrong, look for the helpers. Mm -hmm. You'll always see the helpers. He's always reminding his son of that. And I think part of it is he's reminding his son, I want you to be one of the helpers. Right. And I remember being mostly wanting to hang hang on to that, watching yes. the heroes rushing into that, into the buildings, saving people, uh, everyday people rolling up their sleeves and helping. So for me, I also focused very intently on that. Yes. Um, and I think it was my first time as a young adult uh, giving money like to the Red Cross, mm. like, oh, I can do something. I can, I can send something to help. Yes. Mm -hmm. Didn't you feel that feeling of what can I do? How can I move this forward? And to your point, yeah, across the country, that's what we could do. But to also hear about like all the fire fighters from all over the country and internationally who were showing up, um, all of these doctors who were on the scene, therapists. I mean, the outpour of help really did sort of balance the terror and there is something always 
incredible when you see that play out where the the tragedy that you couldn't even imagine is possible happens and then the sort of generosity that also pours out was like met um which to right like you're saying really i think made it actually possible for so many people to to process it um and just also hearing the the stories of bravery on you know at ground zero about you know those brave individuals both uh firefighters service people and just just individuals who like went back up the stairs or who helped you know someone who was struggling and you know you you just you hear those incredible stories of bravery and it 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 really does um it really does hit you on a human level of when you're in a crisis what do we do you know and then obviously we know that there were some very problematic things that came out of that experience i remember at the time i was in therapy thank goodness i feel like everyone in the world needed a therapist at that time and he is um uh, born in the muslim faith he's originally uh his parents are egyptian american and i remember him processing with me his concern he knew what would be happening with his community um and that was a really interesting intimate thing to get to process with with my therapist where for a session it it almost felt like the roles were reversed but to just be aware of of you know all the things that happened after and not to compare it to the pandemic because i think that it i want to be very sensitive those were two very different events and i'm sure survivors and and people with loved ones who passed during 9-11 don't like that comparison but i bring them up because i feel like they're both on such a grand scale tragedy in different ways and um just thinking about how the uh outpour of help in both of those situations um was pivotal but how there was clearly a before and an after right mm -hmm. so in our lifetime i feel like there's a before 9 11 and there's an after and now for the younger generations there's a before covid time and an after time and it yes. reminds me it, it it harkens back to what i would hear my grandmother talk about with the great depression so these super significant tragedies or pearl harbor and things things of that scale so i think for your and my lifetime that 9-11 will forever be cemented and to your we were talking before this about do we have permission to even talk about this subject you know being somewhat removed from it and not directly impacted and i think you and i both felt strongly like yes and that grief is not linear and that grief um impacts us all in different ways and so i think when you and i checked in and felt like we would like to honor this i'm glad we did so i think for people listening i think it's important to remember that and i just wanted to bring up one beautiful article that came out in the new york times this weekend called we can all mourn on 9 11. it's by mm. gabriella ferragini she was a little girl at the time her mother was at the towers her mother did survive but her mother struggled with ptsd ever since 
And this daughter is writing an article about, do I have permission to grieve, even though I experienced 9-11 secondhand? And so I thought that was a very interesting thing for us both to discuss today uh, around grief and, you know, all of the tragedies in this world, do do we have permission? And when when do we allow ourselves to do it, right? Mm. I think is a very interesting topic for us right now. Right, just that we would even ask ourselves that that question. I mean, one of I think what's what we often miss in the culture in a culture that does not know how to grieve. We have mm. very little permission. You know, after 9/11, the the main reaction and for I mean maybe even still has mostly been about anger. Mm. Anger that this could happen on our soil, anger that the, the enemy did this anger that 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 we were so frightened angered that so many people died and in such a tragic way and um but i mostly have seen and felt anger um so to talk about it as people who lived through this time and it is a time that marked was a very strong line mm. historically like you said before and after mm-hmm. and i think the fact that we we have the desire to be sensitive. We have the desire to stay in our lane around it. We have the desire to be responsible. I think that's all any of us could hope to do is to mm. slow down enough and, and even ask those questions, right? Because I think the culture, you know, tells us everything we think is perfect and fine and just fight for it no matter what. And there is a way we want to be sensitive to this topic and to those who are hearing it, maybe even in a different way than you and I are intending. That that's entirely possible as well. So, in wanting to address this today on September 11th and talk about, for me, I was thinking this mm-hmm. grief really is a path of healing, mm-hmm. and it's a, it is part of owning our story and our experience, and it's so collective. Yes. And the only way there will be more permission for us to experience and feel and release and work through our grief is to talk about it and yeah. to listen to stories about it and to read beautiful articles written by the daughters of yes. those who were so deeply impacted by it. Because yes. the story is everybody's. People all over the world feel a connection to this historical, this horrendous event that happened in our country. Absolutely. And I thank you for framing it that way, which is we were impacted and moved, but we also went through a myriad of emotions around it. And to your point, what we saw played out mostly in our culture was anger. And and we see that that wasn't enough, right? I, I will say for those of you who have been or who are considering going to the 9-11 Memorial Museum, I went there in 2022. I went there a lot later. I, I For me, it felt like a really hard thing to go to. Um, I found that entire memorial and museum experience incredible. It was incredibly healing. It was incredibly informative. They handled it with such care and with such humanity um, and both the memorial pools that are open to everyone and the actual museum that actually takes place underneath it at the actual scene was so incredibly moving. And so 
I'm, you know, curious to know anyone listening, have you been, that's a place I can recall in my mind on this day, because there were so many incredible um, different sections of it. It was a very immersive experience. A couple of things that I remember really striking me was um, one underground and one above um, underground, which felt in some ways like the scariest thing to do was the twisted rebar. There were these huge, um, uh, you know, things that were meant to be like a foundation and they were completely contorted and twisted. And to see this steel, it wasn't even rebar, I'm using the wrong term, it was this huge beam. And to see that twisted, I think really to me signified a visual of just how twisted this situation was that this beam that should should hold us up didn't and and it's standing there still and to to take that in i thought felt very very real and to your point it was absolutely an international group in there processing together what happened what happened and and the, for those involved what what was their experience and the other thing above the memorial at the pools, which are this beautiful reversal, rather than the towers going up, there's this water pool going down where all the names are etched, um, just felt like this gorgeous healing. And there's actually a survivor tree right next to the memorial where they found this tree that had somehow may survived in the rubble. It wasn't actually still in the ground, but it had kind of been kicked out. Well, they replanted it and it's since kind of grown out, but it also has some scarring and it's called the survivor tree. And that right next to this, this water uh, memorial was so absolutely impactful. I will say as a girlfriend of a certain age, there was one thing that totally felt very tone deaf, which was people taking selfies at a memorial. And my family and I wound up having a discussion with a volunteer who was there discussing the, the water memorial. And we all agreed that that was just in very bad taste, <laughs> but people are going to process how they're going to process. And so, we're going to rub against each other. We're going to bump up against each other. And there we all were doing it together. Oh, and for anyone who can't make it to New York City, because I realize that's not something everyone can do, they offer virtual tours for $10. Um, and you can take the tour um, of the 9-11 uh, Museum. Mm. When we get this uh, recording up, um, you know, after we do this live, we'll yeah. have a link to that so people can find it. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's a, tr it's a tricky thing. I'm so glad you were there. I have not been to New York since the memorial opened. And wow. so I haven't seen this. I didn't even know about the virtual tours. Um, sometimes I, I will avoid sites like that. I feel like I'm very sensitive to energy. Mm -hmm. I'm very sensitive to people's emotions and like groupthink and collective bigness. So I, I, I wonder if I would go. I wonder if I would feel called. Um, I remember 
hearing about it when it opened and thinking, oh, it's so beautiful that there's a place, mm -hmm. you know, like, like how we go to grave sites to visit our ancestors. It's, it's nice to have a place to go and remember um, but then hearing about the tone deaf quality of the, you know, the people like I'm here, you know, I, I, I struggle, I struggle with things like that. Um, yes. Often take it much harder than I probably need to. And so I, I tend to be careful around that. Yes. So I wonder if the virtual tour might be more my speed, That's a way to right. honor and, and, and some more grieving. Cause I can feel, I can feel a heaviness, even just getting prepared to get on this on this live stream with you today, I've been feeling a heaviness, but it didn't scare me. It felt like, no, mm -hmm. this is grief. This is some mm -hmm. of my unfinished grief and some of our collective grief that's still going on. Um, can, can I share a quick story with you? Something that happened this morning? Yes, please. But you know what? I have to okay. alert us real quickly. Yeah. We have a new puppy and our new puppy just woke up and he's dying to go outside. Can I introduce everybody to our quick puppy real quickly? Yes, please do. Talk about our little therapy dog nice. to help us in our exactly. in our talk about grief. And he, I feel like this little guy's got a special role in your family's grief. Yes, that's so true. Meet Nalu. Nalu is our new baby. And we did lose our older beloved doggy earlier this summer. And he is our new hope and he is our new chapter of life and does bring us a lot of joy. Also brings us sleepless nights, but he's totally worth it. So can I'm you... gonna let him outside. Okay. <laughs> but I can hear you if you want. Talk, um, talk about keeping it real. Talk about right? keeping it real because of course you and I had our moment of like, wait a minute. I'm on puppy duty and I don't know what's going to happen. And I said, you know, this is so us. This is so our brand of girlfriends of a certain age. You're sleepless and in your grief process, but with this new life that is uh, yes. bringing so much joy and silliness and, and puppiness and all the, all, all that comes with that. And, and to, to add on to that, that um, I think we sometimes think grief is a, is a monolith, right? But what's so ironic about grief is we can laugh in grief. We can, we can be silly in grief. It's, it's not one thing. And I think that's what scares so many of us, but that through whatever you're going through, there can be these obviously very hard moments, but there can be these moments of levity. I mean, I think we're, we're wired that way. So I know I was like, oh gosh, this is going to be appropriate to have the puppy. And then we thought, well, wait, yes, yes, please mix it up with as many puppies as possible. Right. It's the most appropriate thing. And even just seeing his sweet face, I mean, I could feel like, oh, myself soften yeah. and, and, you know, and the promise of a new life and and that is the cycle it is, the, is cycle. the cycle and i actually as i was looking at his sweet little face i was <laughs> thinking oh oh i just i just felt it in a new way part of why we're so afraid of grief why we're afraid to talk about it to experience mm -hmm. it um to remember it whatever it is work through it in any way because it bring it makes us feel so much. Mm. And most of us are trained from a very young age to stifle those intense feelings, stifle our tears, stifle our fears, just be brave, just you're fine, just rub some dirt on it. <laughs> you're, you're fine, right, keep moving, right. I'll give you something to cry about. 
that we we there's so so much collective i think especially in our generation or maybe mm-hmm. i'm hoping it was one of the last generations where that yes right right the gen day. x tough it out messaging gross yeah. no more no more yeah. please yeah but grief makes us feel yes it, it makes does. us feel and <clears throat> it can open a floodgate that so many people fear they'll never be able to close Right. You often hear people say, I feel like if I let myself cry, I'll never stop. I've heard That's so right. many people say that. And so, you know, I want to remind our girlfriends who are listening, if mm-hmm. that's getting triggered for them, mm-hmm. uh, I want to just take us a moment for all of us to take a deep breath into all of that. Oh, because that is realness. Mm-hmm. It's realness. And you and I are so done hiding from the realness, the realities of our changing bodies and our changing perspectives and Mm -hmm. the stage of life and our growing up children, all the things, ways that we're growing up. It's messy. Yes. And it brings up a lot of feelings and that we're not meant to do any of this alone. We are not meant to grieve alone. We are not meant to go through hard times or even good times by ourselves that we, That's of right. we have our girlfriend community come join us over on Substack, And we would love to hear your story about nine 11. Where were you tell us? Because every time we tell that story, we get to gather a little bit more of ourselves process it a little bit, even if you don't understand it, you know, up here, mm-hmm. you know, mentally, we get to sort of piece those stories together. But if it's really, really, really getting to be too much, please get some help. You can even start by talking to your primary doctor about how you're feeling, what what's actually going on, and they can help refer you on too. And mm-hmm. if money is an issue, tell them that too. And they will hopefully help point you in the direction of a university that maybe has interns you could see for therapy or coaching or some kind of support. Because toughing it out on our own you know, the time of the lone wolf is over, ladies. It's really mm-hmm. time for us to accept and ask for help. I think that's very important. Uh, yes, and it, absolutely, definitely. And I think that my hope in processing this with you, because I already feel better hearing your story, getting to share mine, getting to share a bit, is that it's it is a healing that the collective healing is what this is all about and this 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 thing this cultural thing that we're pushing up against which is to stuff down and stifle we see um doesn't really allow us to feel fully alive so i actually think that by by really looking at grief in a way that is part of your life it it might surprise us that in my darkest moments there have been some of the most touching things that have happened and you hear this time and time again that those are the moments that get you through the grief so my hope in anyone that's thinking oh gosh you know uh is this going to bring me down because i can totally relate and have that fear is just to hopefully remember that this is this is an idea and a gesture to continue the healing because 9 11 will be with me until my last breath it will be a moment in our lives that we will never forget about and i think that there is something valuable about not forgetting 
I truly do. And honoring, really honoring. So that was our hope for, for everyone today. And, you know, take care of yourself and, and honor in a way that you feel is good. And we're grateful that you watched this with us. And hopefully this was a way for you to have a moment of doing that as well. And I'd bring Puppy back in the mix for a little more levity at the end of this, but he's off in the corner chewing on something. Who knows what? Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> Talk about keeping it real. Okay, Keeping girl. it real. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we, you and I had talked about maybe doing a little meditation on this. And what I feel, I'm just doing a little check-in with myself, what I sure. feel called to do is maybe just do three deep breaths together as Beautiful. a grounding instead of leading through the whole meditation that I had planned. Um, I feel like that our puppy lovely. energy brought in something. I really got the energy moving in a way okay. that I was hoping to with the meditation. So let's just get grounded as we wrap this up. Mm -hmm. Girlfriends, thank you for being with us live and, mm -hmm. and all of it. So I'm so happy to be here with you. Let's just feel our feet on the floor. Wherever you're sitting or standing, just become aware of your body and do what you can to straighten your spine and allow your head to do what feels natural. And we'll take three breaths in and out together. Make some noise with this. Breathe in and out. And in. And out. And in. And out. And I hope this grounding allows you to be present in your day with whatever stories are surrounding you or coming up within you yourself. Please reach out to a girlfriend today. Be there for her. If you need her help, let her know. We are not meant to do this alone. If you want to chat with us as girlfriends, you can find us over on Substack. And the link will, will be below in the description. And uh, thank you for being with us here today and in this grief and on this path of healing with us at this stage of life. We love you so much. Yes, we do. We love you from the bottom of our hearts. Have a good and healing day. Take care of yourself. Take care of the people you love and who you come into contact with on this day. And uh, puppy Nalu sends his love and um, yeah, try to find that little spark if it's possible, if it's possible for you. All right, girlfriend. Well, this was really nice. Thank you for leading us through that lovely meditation. I already feel a loosening in my chest. Got so you thank know, you I so feel much. it too. So yeah, thank mm -hmm. you for saying that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, girlfriend. Okay. Until next time. Bye. Bye.